Welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. This podcast is for today's and tomorrow's nomads who thrive on adventure, embrace an unconventional lifestyle, and seek life beyond the ordinary. You will learn the mindset, methods, and motivations that others have taken to successfully live life on the road and truly enjoy the freedom that only the RV life can provide. Dive into stories, tactics, and inspirations that fuel the open road. Welcome to the podcast. And hi again, and welcome back to the RV Dreaming Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart, from Stuart Doing Stuff on Instagram. And today, you know, we've talked to a lot of different people, and every episode you learn a little bit more about how you can hit the road successfully and do it right and do it well and have just the time of your life. And today we're going to talk to a couple called the Uprooted Traveler. And you may have heard them before because they, they've they done a lot of things right and a lot of really risky stuff too, but they, they ultimately have gotten everything so fine-tuned. They're going to share a lot of their secrets about how they started a blog and how they, they, they make money and how they finally made that decision to leave their big-time corporate jobs and, and really just hit the road. And what their thing was just was just talking about how... Jess is going to talk about how... She became a lawyer and had this really great fancy job negotiating, you know, sports deals for Amazon and stuff and how she decided to leave and give it all up and and leave bosses that they absolutely loved and leave jobs that they love to be able to do something that they loved even more. That's what we're going to be talking about today on the RV Dreaming Podcast. This is going to be a great one. So I'm really excited to introduce from the Uprooted Traveler, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Justin and Jess. Thanks so much for having (laughs) us. Thanks for uh, joining us today on the RV Dreaming Podcast. So I'm Jess. We essentially started Uprooted Traveler as a blog in 2018. Right after we went on our honeymoon to Japan, we kind of totally fell in love with international travel and just sort of started a blog to share with our friends and families all of our travels around the world. Uh, We honestly never thought that we would be RVers, um, but then 2020 changed all of that because we went from being able to travel internationally we basically traveled internationally maybe like once a month to then we had to obviously radically stop that. Um, And so we had just moved to Seattle at the end of 2019. We kind of dove into hiking and camping and exploring all of the beautiful landscapes around Washington. But in doing so, we were realizing that we wanted to spend weekends outside and sort of in beautiful places like Mount Rainier and North Cascades and just sort of driving back and forth from our house in Seattle was sort of limiting. So we wound up deciding to get an RV. And we also decided that we we previously had corporate jobs. We realized partly because of the pandemic in 2020 that we wanted to see and explore the world before we reach retirement age. We're really into hiking And we unfortunately have had quite a few people that we know get sick or even pass away before they were able to go on these great adventures that they had planned and saved for. Came up with this plan that we were going to quit our jobs for a year. So we started working really hard on that blog that we started in 2018, Uprooted Traveler, uh, and started to focus on search engine optimization and monetizing the blog. And in doing so, we were able to grow it to a point where instead of just quitting our jobs for a year, it just became a full-time income for yeah. both of us. Um, and so we decided to kind of transition the plan of quitting our jobs for a year until living on the road full-time. So here, here's a question. How long, and I think I got the dates right, but you were saying you started the blog in 2018 
And then you got it monetized to the point where it's actually able to sustain your living. How, how many years did that take you? So I kind of consider we really started taking our blog seriously in October of 2021. Before that, we would sometimes not post on it for a year. We kind of just thought of it as a hobby and sort of like threw it up. We didn't look into keywords and search engine optimization basically well, at all. it's also worth mentioning Jessica, that was the beginning of her legal career, and she was working like 80 or 90 yeah. hour weeks uh, at this law firm in I didn't Seattle. Really have the capacity. Yes. Yeah, it, it was really tough to, to treat it as any more than kind of a, a side project. Mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, no worries. And I'm, we're, we talk about that all the time. Sometimes we think about like if we had been taking it seriously since 2018 where would our business be now? Um, But that being said, we kind of learned some of the foundations of writing blog posts and taking good photos and things like that. So it was still very much a really good foundation for where we're at now. But in 2021, we both really started to like dive in and we did a lot of things. We, our blog used to be on Squarespace, which is a slower platform and we migrated to WordPress. We just started to figure out a lot more kind of behind the scenes things that made our blog really explode in terms of traffic and then traffic kind of translates to money. You know, it's interesting said that because you started this in 2021 when you were still working other jobs and still not even mobile yet. You were still kind of doing the sticks and bricks. You weren't a full-timer yet. I, I hear a lot of people that make mistakes. One of the biggest questions I get, and I'm sure you do as well, is how do you make money on the road? And a lot of people see YouTubers out there or bloggers and they think, oh, I'll just start a blog or I'll just start a YouTube channel when I hit the road and I'll start making money. But that is never the case, hardly ever the case, if, if at all. Most people, it takes years to develop a blog to be able to get it to the point where you got it to be monetized to, to make money. You know, I don't know if this is anyone else's story or if this is relatable, but at least for us, when we had graduated college and were young, we didn't make a lot of money and we were in a ton of debt. And that's a pretty terrible feeling. And it took a number of years, but we lived below our means and worked really hard to pay off all of our debt. And once we got free of that, it was a pretty incredible feeling. And we've just been pretty conservative with our spending. And we just never want to be in a position where we don't have a safety net to fall back on. So it's we've always been operating under this model of make money and do something that's sustainable before we change whatever works. So that was a huge reason why we spent so much time and effort growing the blog and making money on that before we quit. And like Jess said, the original plan was just to make enough money so that we could go travel the world for about a year, maybe take like a, a sabbatical. But, you know, the the pandemic was kind of a, a silver lining because even though it kept us inside and away from family members, it really helped explode our, our blog and, and grow it to an incredible place because during that time during the pandemic we had been from international domestic travel uh road tripping around the country and then that kind of led into the rv life what are some of the tips and tricks that you picked up as far as being on the road whether it's in your rv or traveling internationally that is a budget item and when is it okay to splurge on stuff because this is you (laughs) because traveling around you could like I just did this big Canada leg and it was really easy to say, oh, I want to eat out every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I yeah. want to try all these different restaurants, but you're still, you know, you're not making any more money, you yeah. know, when you're right. traveling yeah. these places. So you, you do have to kind of find a limit on when I'm going to 
be budget frugal and when is it okay to splurge? What's your guys' secret to that? I don't think we have any really great secrets. If you ever find them out, let us know. Um, <laughs> I think some of the things that we think about though are are these bucket list experiences. We're not planning on doing this this year, but in two years, our plan is to go to Antarctica. That costs like tens of thousands of dollars per person, but that's a once in a lifetime opportunity that will be for us worth, <laughs> I hope anyway, worth the splurge. Um, something that we think about on trips, you were talking about eating out. Something that we've noticed is that we go out to a lot of restaurants and are just not impressed oftentimes and oftentimes even walk away with the conclusion of we could have maybe made a better meal for ourselves. Yeah, we've probably spent tens of thousands of dollars just on bad meals <laughs> while traveling. So <laughs> I think we really now try to prioritize and look at restaurants and say, like, is this something that we're really excited to try this restaurant? Is there a dish that this area is known for? Or is this like a burger that we could maybe make at home or, you know, something like that. So I think those are the types of things that we try to choose. And even small things, I know it's very cliche. People say, you know, like, don't go out and get coffee every day and it'll wind up adding up to, you know, enough so that you can live off of. I don't, I think that's kind of an exaggeration, but just making small choices, like we love fancy cocktails. If cocktails have like rosemary in it, (laughs) but um, we try to go to happy hours for things like that, or, you know, trying to find small ways to cut back, but still have those kind of more bougie experiences. We'll intentionally look for accommodations like an Airbnb that has a full kitchen and we'll pick the places that we definitely want to go eat. And maybe we'll eat out once a day or once every other day while we're traveling abroad. And then we'll try to make the rest of our meals back at the hotel, uh, assuming that it has like a little kitchenette. And then if we're going someplace... Uh, internationally and looking for a hotel, we usually find budget accommodations for the majority of the time. But if there's some really cool luxury experience that we want to have, we'll splurge on that for a couple of nights. So we went to Neuschwanstein Castle in Germany and we stayed at this hotel that's like right at the base of the castle that, you know, that had balconies that opened up and had these epic views of the castle. That for us was worth it because it was, you know, one day where we got to sit in a hot tub and stare up at this fairy tale castle. We're probably not going to have that experience other, you know, any other time in our life. Right now, you're talking to us as we're at a free farm outside of Bend, Oregon, and we're sitting outside of our trailer, which is obviously kind of more on the budget end of the spectrum. So I think kind of having both of those experiences in our travel just makes it more rich and lets us have more travel too. You know, one great thing about traveling in an RV as opposed to like some of the hotel stuff is everything with you. So you don't, you, you can cook your own food, you, you know, you can make your own coffees, you can do all that, you can take that savings and roll it into some other things. I'm kind of curious because you have a unique perspective. What are some other differences that you've seen when we talk about travel? On this program, we typically talk about RV travel. But in your experience, what else is different between, say, RV traveling and hotel traveling? You know, uh, a lot of the we don't we don't like to we're really frugal. So whenever we travel, whether it's domestic or abroad, we're always looking for the cheapest accommodations. But we're also a very go, go, go couple. And we very rarely spend any time in the in our hotels. So we'll usually try to find pretty cheap hotels. And actually, we were just in Scotland a couple of weeks ago and we stayed in multiple tiny homes. There are these really adorable barrel shaped homes uh, that 
just have a bed and a tiny kitchenette. And I remember we walked in and spoke with the host. It was run, I think it was run on Airbnb. And he said, uh, this is pretty small. So, you know, most people aren't used to this. So if you need anything, let me know. And I said, hey, this is like a living in a castle compared to our RV. We're, we're used to a hundred square feet. So it's something we were already used to. But I, I mean, it's, it's nice. Um, it's nice being able to have a, a hotel occasionally because, you know, with the RV, we have to be really diligent about water, especially in our circumstance, because we we love free camping land uh, across the United States. So we'll try to stay on BLM land or national forest land, and we'll haul in all of our own water and we'll haul everything out. We make our own power with solar. So we usually have to be pretty diligent about the resources that we use. So it's really nice to occasionally stay in a hotel and take a 20 minute hot shower <laughs> and <laughs> just kind of be a little frivolous with, with resources. But I, generally it's it's not that different for us because you're, you're not going to find us at four-star resorts uh, frequently it's just it's just not the way that we like to travel and in fact living in a small space like this you kind of get used to it and there's definitely been times where we spent a lot of money on hotels because there's no other option and i'll look at jess and say man i wish we were in our rv instead <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think um, something else that is kind of uniquely different between RV life and staying at hotels is one of our favorite aspects about traveling in an RV is the community that we find from it. We do like camping in dispersed camping lands and sometimes there'll be nobody around, but we'll also find ourselves in, you know, areas that just have other campers and we're, we love chatting with other RVers and talking and hearing about all their stories. We're just outside of Mount Rainier a week ago and just met this woman who was traveling from Tennessee. She had quit her job to live full time in this super cute pull behind trailer that was made by U-Haul. I didn't even know U-Haul made trailers, but yeah. And, and just kind of having this community of people who are all have very different lives, but are all coming together to sort of experiencing the same type of lifestyle. I really love that. And we haven't really found that same sense of community for sure when we go to hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Hotels, you get people from all around the world and you think that you're right there. You, you've got the hotel bars or you've got all this other stuff, but people act differently at a hotel. You kind of like stay in your own lane and they've yeah. got agendas and everyone's yep. kind of just, you know, you totally. know, tunnel visioned on, on their own thing, as opposed to stopping and meeting the people that they're exploring the city with. That's a good way to put it. Whereas at a campground, you know everyone there has got a very common interest to yourself. You're listening to the RV Dreaming Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and thanks for listening. You know, on your website, you talk about how to immerse yourself in different cultures. Mm -hmm. And when I travel, that's one of the things I like to do. It may not be a culture, maybe just like living like a local in this town of 88 people or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but trying to immerse yourself into the local communities. Um, how do you guys do that? You, you talk about that on your blog a little bit. So I'm interested to hear your perspective and your tips on that. I think what we primarily try to focus on is finding more local experiences. I think it's pretty easy when you're in India to go to a more Americanized restaurant that might have, I keep going back to burgers, but burgers or something that's very approachable to you. What we enjoy doing is doing more, you know, homestay type things where maybe you get to meet a local family or eating street food. There's nothing better than eating like some <laughs> huge bowl of pho that you get for a dollar in, you know, Hanoi or something like that. I think that's what we try to, that's how we try to immerse ourselves in local culture and talking as much as we possibly can to locals. We used to not be into taking tours at all, um, but we're starting to kind of actually gravitate a little bit more towards taking day trips, not 
just because of, you know, you're doing some sort of activity. But we often love the kind of um, perspective that we get from the local guides and meeting a local. They oftentimes will tell you, you know, sort of things that aren't even related to whatever tour you're taking, like their favorite place to get food or this bar that you never would have heard of. I think that's do you have any other? Yeah, you know, that's what's so magnetic about travel for me, especially international travel is just meeting people who think differently than you do and have a wholly different perspective. It's also neat getting to see people in places that are often less touristed and they get so excited when you go there and you visit. We were just in Mexico. Hala, Mexico. Yeah, or Hala. And it was, it was, it was so crazy because we were just walking down the street in this tiny little uh, Mexican town and people kept stopping. And like waving enthusiastically at us (laughs) because I think they just don't see tourists that often and and they were so excited to share their experience with you i I, this is a really cute story we were in holland uh we were taking a picture of this beautiful uh chapel at night it was lit up and uh you know of course we looked like an instagram couple standing in the middle of the road and i'm down on the ground with my camera and uh, and taking pictures of jess and a local woman walked up to jess and she's holding out her phone she had google translate up and uh it said uh, it said you should you should come back later at night when all of the lights are on. It looks beautiful. And it was just wow. it was just yeah, it was a really heartwarming experience. And, and just to be around other people who are so appreciative for us just to be there. Uh, it's it's really um, it's really something special. You know, and translating that into like the RV world, I I you guys are at a harvest host right now. Yeah. Right? Is, is that what you mentioned? Or have you stayed at any of the uh, boondocker welcome locations yeah actually we're at a boondockers welcome oh, location right, right now yeah. But, right but yeah we were just at a harvest host that was phenomenal as well yeah yeah, yeah but and, like um for example we're staying at a farm right now just the the boondockers welcome ha- happens to be a farm um but it's they grow peppermint here and so they're currently harvesting the peppermint oil and so mm-hmm. it smells so strongly of peppermint and it's something that like I didn't even I never think of where peppermint comes from and it's so interesting to have these like unique experiences we were talking to our hosts for an hour yesterday about like all of their different vegetables that they grow here and it's so cool to just learn about this different yeah. lifestyle that like Justin and I never get exposure and, to and it's like you know uh, a thousand times out of a thousand and one we would take typically just drive past this farm and think there's nothing to offer. But mm-hmm. it's amazing being here right across the street. There's this peppermint processing plant. There's this co-op between these four farmers. They're processing uh, all of these essential peppermint oils. Everything just smells of lovely. It smells like peppermint ice cream right now. It's incredible. Uh-huh. And it's it's just something that we wouldn't have experienced if we didn't get out, if we weren't here. And it, it uh, I think that's something that's really special about RV travel because a week ago, we didn't even know this place existed. We booked it uh, last minute because there were some fires on the other side of Oregon. So we kind of had to shift our plans a little bit. So it's just so cool. We didn't even know this existed. Now we're benefiting from the incredible generosity of these strangers who are also RVers themselves. Mm-hmm. And we've learned all about their agriculture. And uh, it's it's uh, it's just a really neat aspect to remote living. You know, we, we just don't get exposure to, to random things like that we were living in a house back in seattle yeah and that's what i love about boondocker welcome i was officially originally kind of turned off by the idea i didn't want to impose on somebody staying at their house and all that but i realized 
that is a huge resource for getting to know the local community. I just got off of a, a leg from Vancouver. I was there for two weeks and I mostly did boondockers welcome locations because, you know, sure. it's just so dense and there's no RV parks there. So a lot of stealth camping and a lot of boondocker welcome. But these hosts were amazing because they were all in different sections of, of Vancouver and they'd go, oh, this is the local bar. This is the place. This is where you go. These are the locals. And to get away from the oh, tourist yeah. areas, mm -hmm. to get away from the trees, everything drops in price too you know if you're oh that's a good point you know touristy areas are so expensive but you go and find the local spots that everyone goes to where you can actually get to know people i, I met people who lived there for four or five generations you mm -hmm. know who've seen the town come up and all the changes and just pointing up to a bar at a locals bar a little dive bar or something and you just start talking to people or the bartender they have such great stories and, oh, yeah. and really some good insight on what to do and when to go and and how to save some money Totally. The Boondockers Welcome host that we're at, um, they pointed out this hill that's right behind their house. And they're like, you should go up to see sunset there. It's the best sunset you'll ever see. And to be honest, from the ground, it doesn't really look that spectacular. But we went up there yesterday and it's just like these panoramic mountain views. There's a huge canyon that you don't even know is there that's filled with water. It just looks incredibly dynamic and if we, you know, hadn't been talking to our Boondockers Welcome host, we would have just drove right past it and probably missed one of the best sunsets of our life. And, and you can tell the only people who know about it are the locals. They're, mm -hmm, they're, yeah. yeah, they were the only ones that were up there. And again, you're not going to find these kind of tips a lot of times on apps or like on the campaigns or on a, on any of these, you know, no. kinds of things. These are only tips that locals share with other locals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and, or and, and I mean that's and you know that's the kind of perspective that we try to offer in a lot of the blog posts that we publish on UprootedTraveler.com. You know, a lot of it's try to you know off the beaten path tourism and highlighting the uh, the road less traveled, but there's only two of us and there's so much world and it's uh, you just can't see it all. And it's uh, it's really amazing getting to go to these places that you otherwise would never hear about in TripAdvisor. What are your plans? What are you traveling for national parks? Are you traveling for sunsets? What's what's your goal that you're trying to what's your why? You know, we talk about the why are you RVing a lot? What's what's your why? What's keeping you motivated and what's encouraging you to do this? Um, I think we both just have this insatiable wanderlust. We love hiking. Um, and so there's some really large bucket list hikes we want to do. Havasupai Falls, um, for example. Um, there, the, the, there's this like kind of backcountry camping that you can do in the Everglades where there are these uh, platforms that where you can just do overnights on this platform in a swamp, um, which sounds amazing to me. Um, I just think that there's so much that we want to see in Mexico, the United States and Canada. We plan on kind of for this first year of being self-employed, we plan on living in our RV full time. And then after that, we're going to transition between doing six months international, six months in our RV on and off. But I mean, I honestly feel like we could spend our entire lives, like even in the Pacific Northwest, there's so much to mm -hmm. see. Um, and we really love diving deep into the into the landscape and kind of what we were just touching on, like kind of finding these little local gems that we don't even really even know of exist right now. Well, and, and adding to that, you know, Jessica mentioned before the pandemic, we had traveled to about 20 countries and we were in love with international travel and COVID uh, was a huge wake-up call. I mean, it, it was a, a huge dose of perspective for both of us because we went from being on a plane every other week to 
being in our living room for months at a time. And that's when we started to go to national parks and travel more. And we realized just how short and and precious life is. And we don't know if there will, if that'll, God forbid, there's never another pandemic like that, but <laughs> you, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get sick. You don't know if businesses are going to shut down or maybe the country that you wanted to visit to stops accepting tourists. So, uh, you know, that was a huge wake up call for us. And that really kind of shifted our priorities and made us reevaluate how we wanted to spend our time. You know, Jess mentioned we have this insatiable wanderlust that just got intensified. And there was a couple of years there where we weren't seeing new people. We weren't experiencing new cultures. We weren't trying new food. And wow, did we miss that so much. And when everything opened back up, we just hit the ground running. Now, it had to have been a hard decision, or maybe it wasn't because you guys are both corporate you know, employees, being a lawyer is, becoming a lawyer is not cheap. It takes years and years of schooling and education and money. And I know you talked about student loans and stuff like that. To go from being that, you putting so much time, money, and effort into doing a complete 180 to say, oh, I'm leaving my corporate job that I spent so much time and so much money trying to accomplish to go start a blog. I mean, how did that, how did you feel and and what did your friends and family say and your other coworkers? Do they, I mean, what? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I definitely think it runs the gamut. Um, I mean, in terms of it being a challenging decision, of course, like, you know, it's definitely being transparent. It's totally scary. We're self-employed now. Our finances are tied to the success of the businesses that we're building. So it's, you know, it, there's definitely times where we, feel nervous or anxious, but feeling nervous or anxious is not a reason to stay. And I was incredibly lucky that I had a, I worked my way up into a legal position that was probably the sexiest job of being an attorney that you could possibly be. I did like sports <laughs> deals for Amazon Web Services. So it was like a cool job. I got to negotiate a lot of fun deals. But at the end of the day, we uh, we had a return to work or return to office kind of mandate and so, you know, when we're talking about what we want our lives to look like, we want, and that's hopefully what we're going to try to pivot kind of our blog and our YouTube channel to talk about a little bit more is we really are passionate about just being able to design your life however you want it to look. And for us, the way that we want it to look is to have the flexibility to decide, do we want to go to Bend, Oregon and sit on a peppermint farm and do our work here? Or, you know, or do I want to make money for somebody else? And so for us, that was worth the risk of making a scary decision. Yeah, I mean, we had limited PTO and, and beyond that, there were limitations on how we could use our paid time off. And so that was kind of a huge push as well. I mean, it, it was a really tough decision because Jess and I both had good jobs and- We both like them too. I mean, I think a lot of people are in positions where they hate their corporate jobs and that was not- Yeah, we, we were both lucky to have really good managers. And we would always talk to each other about how cool our managers are. And let me tell you, Stuart, that was not always the case. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't always worked for people I admired that much, but it was tough to leave. But, you know, it really got to the also got to the point where the the blog was doing so well that we would work from nine to five and then we would transition to working on the blog until 11 midnight, 1 p.m. And we've been doing that nonstop for the past two years. And 
it, you know, and now that it can make enough money to sustain us and pay our bills, it was like, well, well, what are we doing? We we don't have the flexibility to go the places that we want to go to make content about that. And we've got this stream of revenue that can carry us. What why are we killing ourselves essentially working 80, 90 hour weeks on two jobs when we could be doing one thing that we're really passionate about. There's, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here. And in, in a previous episode, you can go look for it. It's called RV Photo Queen. She's talking about how you take all your memories, you digitize them, and, and, and you create this package of your life. And we got on this tangent about cemeteries and how you can go, you walk through a cemetery and you see tombstones of people. And it'll just say they're, you know, the dates when they were born and when they when they passed away. But now this new trend is on headstones. There are QR codes they're putting on there that you can memorialize, really? you know, <laughs> people. So you we, we talked about oh, cemeteries man. being like a tourist attraction thing where you go through there and you can scan the QR code of this, to, you know, wow. this thing on a tombstone. And then you can get a a, a, a sense of who this person was huh. they lived at. And we, and we talk about COVID a lot through 2020. And that's a story that, you could be telling your kids and your grandkids about what it was like to live through COVID because it was a strange yeah. time. And, and, you know, yeah. just like when we started researching like the Spanish flu of 1918, when we were going through COVID, trying to find someone that was alive during that time to tell us what was happening. It was the, there weren't many stories out there, but there's tons of stories about how this has changed people's lives forever. Yours sure. and mine included, you know, and, and, um, getting that awakening, I think it's, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a big thing because when you, are there and you have these stories you're going to tell your kids, your grandkids, and whoever else comes down the line to complete strangers who might want to walk up on your tombstone and scan your QR code. They're going to see you doing amazing things. And your world now is is not just going to be done when you're done. Oh, yeah. We talk about that all the time. I mean, some some people have been very incredulous about this decision for a variety of reasons, from thinking it's crazy to live in an RV to thinking, I think a lot of people don't understand how blogs make money. So being confused about that. But then, you know, if you take a step back, it's like, do I want to work for somebody else and have constraints on my life? Or do I want to build a business with my husband and travel the world? I mean, like, Put very simplistically, obviously, I'm going to choose the second choice. Find us online. RVDreaming.tv. Remember to hit that subscribe button. You know, there's a lot of choices that are out there. And sometimes you are going to get the the naysayers, friends and family and whatever. I found that a lot of times it comes from a place of jealousy, too. Like they would love to do it, but they can't. So they're going to downplay your ideas or or try and, you know, throw a wet blanket on it. We, you know, we, we always wonder if that's the case. I, I never know. I, it's, uh, it's definitely the, the road less traveled and the, the, the concept of getting rid of all of your, or most of your worldly possessions and living in a box on, on two wheels is, is scary. It's very possible that some people just feel, just feel un, uncomfortable with that. Sometimes I think too, they're operating under not enough information. Like a lot of people will be like, Oh, well, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls, so I couldn't do it. And, you know, there's we have a Starlink. We're talking to you over a Starlink right now. Or uh, what do you do for health insurance? Obviously, there's tons of people who are self-employed and figure out health insurance. So, I mean, I think that people kind of make these assumptions based on like their worldview or their perspective. Um, And I think if maybe people 
took the time to dive a little bit deeper, then it wouldn't seem like such a crazy decision. Yeah, you you really set, I say this to Jess all the time, you set all your own limitations. And I mean, so did I, and I, I'm sure I still do to some degree, but there were, I mean, there were times in my life where I would never have dreamed of being an RVer. I, I never went camping or hiking growing up. I always lived in a nice cold air conditioned house in St. Louis where it was really hot outside in the summer. So I, it, it just, I, I never thought I would be an outdoorsy type who wears sandals and, and lives in an RV and takes two minute showers with six ounces of water. But, <laughs> you know, you, you live with less and you find out that you can do it. You take shorter showers and you go to laundry mats instead of having your washer in your dryer. And you realize that the sacrifices that you make are uh, at least in in my experiences, smaller than the advantages that we get from being on the road, being able to travel remotely, seeing more, doing more, making more experiences, making new friends on a weekly basis. It's it like Jess said. I think it's just a a lot of people don't know what they don't know, and it's just such a, a foreign concept to them, especially when you grow up in this world where you're encouraged, like us, to get an education, get a job, build a career. It's it's a pretty scary concept. We've been talking with Justin, Justin from The Uprooted Traveler, just about their travels, their international travels, the everything that they're doing. If people wanted to find you online, we talked about your blog a lot. You talked about YouTube and all this other stuff. How can people find you online? Yeah, so uh, we're just starting to grow our YouTube channel, uh, getting into vlogging. So it's Uprooted Traveler on YouTube, same on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you basically Google Uprooted Traveler. That is us everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all the things. And um, real quick, before we uh, wrap this up here, you guys are in a brand new rig that you were telling me about it. And, and so why don't you tell everybody else what it is you're doing? Because this might be of interest to some people. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, this is called an Alto uh, F1743 Expedition. So the manufacturer is called Safari Condo. They're uh, based out of Quebec in Canada. They make these beautiful, lightweight, all aluminum trailers with aluminum walls and frames. They're ultra light. Most of them under two, 2,500 yeah, usually. 2,000 to 2,500 pounds. So you wow. can tow them with a midsize SUV. But this trailer uh, is was just announced. It's actually pre-production. They haven't started making them yet. Uh, we have a really neat arrangement with them where uh, each year they, they'll put us in a new model and we'll take it with us uh, for our adventures for that year, drive it around North America, you know, US and Canada. So, so we're going to be testing this one out this year and yeah. kind of providing them feedback given that it's pre-production. But we're very excited because we like to do a lot of kind of dispersed camping, kind of go on lots of bumpy national forest roads. It's got like some real big beefy tires and a roof rack, which I think we're supposed to store stuff on, but I'm pretty sure we're going to wind up just using it as like a place to watch sunset more or yeah, less. Yeah, sit, <laughs> sit on top of the trailer. Yeah, uh, we really love these trailers because um, we can pull it with a midsize SUV. We really didn't want to get some like giant, big, beefy car, really. Um, and so what we love about this is that we can basically, we get like 17-ish miles per gallon while, while we're towing, but then we can unhook and then our we have a Highlander hybrid it usually gets around almost 30 miles per gallon when we're driving the trailheads or whatever. So it's a really nice kind of combination to be able yeah. to use we, this trailer to get around. It's super comfy. But then when we need to, we can also have a, a 
car that gets pretty decent gas mileage. Yeah, park it at the campsite for a week, unhook, and then our car gets awesome gas mileage and we don't have to move our house. Yeah, we plan on uh, RVing it hard next year. And so we're, we're pretty excited that this is going to be our home for the next in, ca- in case you can't tell, we love these trails. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love the fact they give them to you. So that way you can give feedback on <laughs> from real life, real use scenarios when you're totally. out for boondocking and stuff. Cause a lot of people, they don't do that. You know, you can, you can, no. like I'm in a van right now. You can tell that a lot of times these vans are not built by people who live in vans. It, you it, know? It's a huge issue. And, uh, and I don't know what your perspective is, but you know, we're we're pretty in tune to the RVing community and especially since the pandemic, uh, a lot of RVs and vans have just been plagued with poor design and complacent manufacturing. And it seems like it's just getting worse. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. That's really important information. I'm assuming that you have more reviews and maybe tours on your website or on your YouTube channel. Yeah. If so. you go to our YouTube channel, there's like, I think we have tours for four out of the six different types of Alto trailers. So if you are interested in Altos, we are the place to go. Yeah. All right, Justin, Jess, thanks so much for joining us today on the RV Dreaming Podcast. Your insight, your information, just everything. I love what you were saying. And I think this is a great way to end this uh, program. I think, Justin, you said it. You set all of your own limitations. Just because you think you can't do it or just because someone says you can't do it doesn't mean that you can't do it. You know, it, you, you got to make your own decisions and and you can't be afraid to give up that life that you worked so hard for to get something better or more fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. speaking our language. Thanks so much for having us. <laughs> yeah, it was our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. And for again, uh, Uprooted Traveler, go find them online. Thanks, guys, for uh, joining us today. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Join the conversation. Leave us a voice message on our hotline. 714-623-9824. That's 714-623-9824. 714-623-9824. Leave us a voice message. You might just hear yourself on an upcoming episode of the RV Dreaming Podcast. And that's going to do it for this episode of the RV Dreaming Podcast. Thanks to Uprooted Traveler. I'm Stuart from Stuart Doing Stuff. Find me on Instagram. And until next time, enjoy your travels. Make them safe. Make them fun. And make them memorable. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the RV Dreaming Podcast. See the action on Instagram. Stuart Doing Stuff. Hear about it on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode.